Hello, and welcome to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast, a resilience podcast where we talk about all the challenging things that we're working to overcome, like anxiety, obesity, health, and relationship issues. My name is Sarah. I'm excited this week on the podcast to continue our learning on pandas and pans, pandas being pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric disorder associated with streptococcal infections, and pans, pediatric acute onset neuropsychiatric syndrome. Both disorders are relatively little known, and they present with psychiatric issues like OCD, anxiety, tics, emotional ability, aggression, and regression, among others. At the root of the disorders is brain inflammation, often following a virus like strep or other issues like Lyme disease. I've shared on the podcast my personal experiences with pandas, but this week I am excited to welcome Marnie and Richard DeShane, who are also going to share their family's experiences with pandas, and also what drove them to become pandas advocates and to establish a new organization in Canada called the Inflamed Brain Alliance. Enjoy this episode with Marnie and Richard DeShane. Welcome, Marnie and Richard DeShane, to the podcast. I'm so grateful for your willingness to speak on the podcast about your experience with pandas, and I think it's going to be very helpful for listeners. Welcome, Marnie and Richard. Thank you. Thank you. So why don't we start just getting right into it. I've spoken on the podcast several times about my experience with pandas. My son has pandas and kind of our journey to treatment and even diagnosis just to start. But why don't you tell us about your background and how you became aware of pandas and pans? Okay. Um, First of all, my husband and I, we've been married for 23 years and we live in Calgary, Alberta, and we have three teenage children. Uh, We have a 17-year-old daughter, uh, this is going to date me, age me, is graduating from high school this year and uh, we have two sons and they are in grades 10 and 8 and uh, they're the ones that um, have the pandas diagnosis. Uh, So how did we become aware of pandas pans? Well, like almost all families impacted by this disease, your child suddenly gets sideswiped by this flurry of bizarre and uncharacteristic symptoms, and you don't know what's hit them, often for months, and in our case, for years. So for our family on June 15th, uh, that's a date that's etched in my memory forever. Um, In 2013, our middle child's life changed overnight. This was the beginning of a grueling six-year marathon journey that has definitely tested our strength and faith immeasurably. Mm-hmm. And I think Richard's going to add something to that as well. Yeah. So our, our son's first symptoms started with like very sudden and severe aggression, irritability, and oppositional behaviors. And then it quickly moved into OCD and tics. He became really quickly someone we didn't recognize, and his compulsions basically consumed his, his daily life. So we repeatedly asked ourselves quickly, like, was he developing autism, like Asperger's, OCD, ADHD? And why this baffling acute onset of debilitating system uh, symptoms? Like, we just didn't know what was happening. So thankfully for us, in 2013, the floods meant that the school year finished early. And so it was a blessing in disguise, which basically enabled us to give him our full attention and to begin trying to navigate and cope with his symptoms at home over the summer. So that's that's how it started. But his initial onset lasted two excruciating months. 
and by far the most exhausting and confusing time of our lives as a family. It totally, totally consumed us. And his symptoms were, they're multifaceted and none of them made any sense in terms of any one of the uh, possible diagnosis that we could, we could guess at that time. And um, just to add there, we became aware of the term pandas pandas in June, 2014. So it was one year after our son's sudden acute onset. Um, so after countless hours of consultation and researching a school nurse uh, directed us to investigate a disorder called pandas and pans. And we later found out how very often this disease goes medically undiagnosed and, and more often misdiagnosed as a primary psych psychiatric illness. So seeing his struggles throughout the school year, the school nurse, she didn't think he had traditional OCD, but possibly pandas. And um, she, so she shared with us the consensus statement that um, all of us pandas parents that have been in, in, in this journey for a while, um, that 2013 JCAP journal, the Journal of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry, which proposed the recommendation for the diagnostic evaluation of youth presenting with PANS. And uh, that document pretty much ended up changing her journey. So for the next two plus years, we fought tooth and nail to have numerous medical professionals actually acknowledge it and validate it. But that was met with much opposition over and over again. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that's the experience that a lot of people run into. And it's very difficult to figure it out. And then once you do, and it's, it's, it's hard to have that validated. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So how would you say that pandas pans has overall impacted your family? Wow. Uh, how hasn't it? Uh, is, 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 is the bigger question for many pandas families, ours included. Uh, the disease, you know, it's, it's been a episodic and tormenting experience for our boys and it's left them in our family feeling just abandoned and alone quite often, especially at the onset. And it really shook us to the core uh, many times. And we hear this from, from other pandas, uh, pans families is that uh, it, it, shakes you down to your very being. And, you know, the, the easiest way to describe it, and we hear so much talk about PTSD, but I, or we would refer to this as, as uh, what we call STSD, which is kind of a sustained traumatic experience. And so it's that ongoing um, trauma that's sustained. In, in, like I say, it comes in waves and you're kind of waiting for the next wave to come and hit. And so is, are the children as well. So it, you know, it, it's 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 uh, it's been it's been difficult. Uh, we we won't mince words. It's it's been really tough. Yeah, we're we're certainly not alone um, with our trials. I've read online stories on more than one occasion. Maybe you have too, Sarah, where yep. a parent has had cancer and their child had pandas, um, and they say that dealing with pandas was more challenging because with cancer you you get that diagnosis and care and treatment. Um, but most often there's n almost no help when you have pandas. Um, and uh, by the way, there's almost no casseroles from friends either, um, <laughs> unless you ask for them. I learned. <laughs> so we, 
And <laughs> I know it was it was hard for me to get to that point, actually, you know, especially when they were recovering from treatments. Um, so and, and, and also just to add on a personal note, um, we know a teenage girl with pandas. I'll try not to get too emotional about this, but who was hospitalized in the same room with a girl battling cancer and said privately to her mom, if I had cancer, the doctors would help me. And I would have some visitors come see me. So I would say it has been very much a disease where you feel judged and alone. Yeah, and it, it's and we're not the only ones alone, too. Those doctors that are trying to help and, and they have a belief that something can be done and there's a recognition uh, of pandas in, in the medical community, they're trying, but but they're often put as outsiders and, and we've gotten to know a few of uh, the medical specialists and, and they're, uh, they're amazing and they're brave and, mm-hmm. and we just respect them so much. But, you know, again, talking about being ostracized is we know uh, one leading researcher doctor, uh, he explained that when he toured medical colleagues through his lab and he m- talked about pandas, they literally took a step backwards when they learned he was researching pandas. It was, he said it was like he had the disease himself. He, he said physically they stood back and these are uh, incredibly uh, educated folks. And so even those doctors and researchers who, who step out there to make a difference, they're made uh, to feel uh, alien. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a disease for the outsiders. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So like a physical distance there, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, he was, star- he was absolutely startled. Like these, these are people with uh, probably PhD and combination MD researcher levels. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you mentioned kind of the first date in 2013 with your son um, and seeing the change there, but then you said both of your sons have it. So um, how did you kind of come to figure that out? Was it the same timing or a little bit later? <laughs> We're going off script here. That's okay. This is good. Because this is, you know, quite often we just sort of reference our older boy, the first one, right? But the second one is is just as important. But what what happened was, is that um, we, as our older son got treated um, and started to heal, we we started to notice now the weakest um, child in our family wasn't the one that was the one with pandas, but it was the other, my younger child who actually in fact did have it. Um, and because it, it, it helped because I was volunteering at the school and I was speaking with his teacher and she said, you know, why is he going to the bathroom and staying there for a long time? And so I asked him and he's our talker. So he was able to share, but I, it, and it, so it was, it was, it was good to have that open relationship with the teacher. And she said, no, he was wiping down the counters and the, the, um, and she confirmed, you know, because she, he had told her and, and Hudson had told me that he was wiping down counters, toilet seats and the stalls, like on the walls and, and the mirrors. And that was like, oh, okay, we have another one. And then I realized too, because I had joined the Facebook groups that were available to me all over, um, US and Canada. And, and I'd found out that this could in fact be in more than one of your children. And uh, so, yeah, that was in 2015. So both were age seven at their onset. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Cause that same thing I've seen that where it's in multiple children and I'm always interested when like how you notice that and everything to make, make sure that I'm checking, I guess, cause I have a younger daughter as well. Um, And I think we become somewhat, um, 
oh, we're just, we're, we are exhausted. And so we, we, we kind of stop like noticing, I think some subtleties around us in, in our other children. Um, and, and Hudson wasn't quite as severe at his onset. So that uh, made it more challenging too. And well, and it's interesting, Sarah, that in that parents never see the same thing exactly the same way as you will know. And many pandas, and this, that's the, the challenging part is that um as parents, you see it and you interpret it and you read it differently. And one parent says, did you see this? And you're and it's like, well, whether or not you're, you're wanting or just not wanting to see something's like, maybe you're reading into this, hon. Maybe, maybe it's, it's, it's not that bad. So it creates its own uh, pandas, uh, it creates its, its own significant challenges for parenting between the parents. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think we're going to talk about that a little bit later, uh, just about some of the, the things that you know, we had to go through. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it's it's really important because, like, when you say you're looking at that other child and going, do they? And uh, you see things differently. So, yeah. And know. I think just to add, too, there's power in... Um, you know, getting the whole family tested for strap because that was our magic bullet to just like to back up why he was acting this way. Because in fact, nobody else in the family had strap, but my son who was this, the, the younger one who was now um, suspected pandas. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. And so, you know, you kind of touched on this a little bit already, but what would you say are some of the most frustrating parts about dealing with pandas, pans as a parent? Well, I'll go first. I I think that, uh, you know, as a parent, to see your child suffer and to be internally tormented, it's almost unbearable. Um as a parent, you're unable to do your number one job, which is basically ensure that they're safe and they're healthy and you can't do anything about it for a period. And so that, you know, is, is so painful. But also for the family, it's it's crazy making. Um, it effectively turns your, your family system upside down. And the level of family dysfunction, it's so unpredictable and it's really unimaginable to to friends and family uh they they don't get um how bad it is and nor can you really communicate effectively how bad it is so i mean you know it, it goes from the child you know to the family but then there's also frustration with the medical system i mean as canadians uh we have an excellent medical medical system like generally speaking it's it's so well respected and we're incredibly thankful for it but the basic diagnosis and recognition of pandas or pans disease really falls through the cracks in fact i was thinking about this last night i was trying to think of an analogy that that would equate like what what happens with pandas uh kids and and pans kids and i thought the, the term falling through the cracks but then i thought it's more like a crevasse or all of a sudden your child is disappearing and they know that they're falling and disappearing and they, and you, you want to reach in and to help them out, but you, you can't, you can't really help them. And it's different than a crevice. And, and I would say that would be the difference is that many kids and, and we all in life, we, we, there's crevices, small crevices, it's crevice in the sidewalk and things like that, but that's different than a crevasse. 
and a crevasse, uh, it, it just absolutely swallows uh, you know, the person or the individual who falls into it and puts at risk those people around them. And I think that analogy is, 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 has been true for us and in that we're looking to the medical system to help us get the kid uh, out, of the, out of the crevasse. And they say, well, I think you need this or, or maybe it's this. But uh, we know as parents that often what they're uh, saying it is, it, it's, it's not the case. I'm not saying in all cases, but often that's the case. And it's interesting. So, you know, we have uh, some amazing medical support systems. And for us, uh, we live in Calgary here where we have uh, medical supports through the Alberta Children's Hospital, the U- University of Calgary, working closely in conjunction with them, uh, Alberta uh, Health uh, System. They're working in concert. So we're thankful that they're they're partnering, which is great. But, but I guess our, my message to the medical community is actually, I came across it just the other day, is, is a quote from a very uh, the wise words of uh, a world-renowned uh, hedge fund manager and a philanthropist. His name is uh, Ray Dalio. He said, sincerely believe that you might not know the best possible path and recognize your ability to deal well with not knowing is more important than whatever it is you do know. So that's the challenge, and we're finding this out, and and the world is being woken up with uh, what's happening right now, of course, with Mm COVID-19, is that all of a sudden there's talk that the blood-brain barrier can be breached with by a virus, and it can cause psychiatric symptoms. And this is something that we've been saying you know, uh, within the pandas uh, families for a while in the, in the medical community that does believe it is that it can happen. And it's not a primary psychiatric disorder. It's a primary physiological disorder. And so now we're seeing that. So anyway, that, you know, that is uh, one of the big frustrations is that the medical community has to uh, be open and catch up. Yeah. So I'll just, I'll add a bit to um, Sarah. Um so yeah, that frustration of having to educate the doctor about pandas, but feeling conflicted about doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause you know, you're expecting that they should be up to date on this. Like I, I really expected them in, in 2013 or at least in 2014 when we finally had, you know, that J cap in our hands. So instead that doctor has um, misinformation on pandas, such as it's rare infection can't trigger psych symptoms, preventing the physician from prescribing appropriate medications such as antibiotics. So this lack of openness from doctors results in, as you would know, and so many others, so many dead end appointments. Mm -hmm. And um, one example of this um, about a year and a half after our older son, sudden acute onset to pandas, we received a referral to see a pediatrician in Calgary who specializes in OCD, thinking this was going to be the one, right? And um, I expressed to the pediatrician after describing her son's constellation of symptoms, I'm 99.9% sure my son has pandas. And then thinking to myself, and this is where the pediatrician should come in and give the diagnosis to fulfill the missing, you know, 0.1%. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't really asking for that much, I thought. Instead, the pediatrician said um, unconvincingly, I've been looking for a child with pandas, but haven't found one yet. So as many parents um, of pandas children can relate, we left that appointment feeling misunderstood and, uh, and then requested actually for an OCD diagnose, 
diagnosis at the very least, you know, because we needed to get help for our child in in school. So um, sadly, these similar kinds of appointments continued. And we, we came to that breaking point, Sarah. And as a last ditch effort, we resorted to publishing a GoFundMe page um, so we could access private health care in the U.S. Uh, for our older boy um, to be diagnosed and treated. Um, but imagine uh, everyone with me right now for a moment, if our son's condition had been acknowledged three and a half years earlier, how much unnecessary agony and pain our son and family could have avoided. But instead, we felt like we were given this living death sentence, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so that's, that's amazing that you were able to take him to the U S to get the diagnosis. So then where are you guys now in your journey for both children? Yeah, well, since uh, accessing the care, uh, we went to the States in October 2016. We were able to connect with a pediatrician here in Calgary. So uh, in August 2017, that happened. So that took over our uh, older son's care, plus diagnosed our younger son, which we, we mentioned earlier. So both of our boys uh, have seen the most notable noticeable results from IVIG. Uh, that means, uh, for those that don't know, intravenous immunoglobulin treatment and blood blood work. So our older boy has had four rounds and the younger one has had two. So seeing our boys respond well to the IVIG treatment blew us away. And uh, it really made us firm believers that PANDAS is, and PANS is real and the inflammation uh, needs to be, and it can be, medically treated. So there, you know, it was questioned and doubt, but that put that by the wayside. Yeah. And I'm just going to explain um, the way I've um, described post IVIG recovery uh, in the past to others is um, it for our, our boy anyways. And it felt so like distinct. <laughs> so, you know, he gets the IVIG and uh, there was first this uptick in symptoms um kind of this herxing and I called it a pandas exorcism because, you know, our wall, you know, <laughs> drywall, we had a hole in it and punched in there from him kicking it. And then, uh, and I had to actually restrain him one time and, you know, those are not good memories. And then there was a slow steady cooling, you know, this was more like by month three and four is that was the first sort of four, six to eight weeks of the process. And then a steady cooling of his immune system where I noticed this drop in symptoms and he was so much getting so much calmer, still not fully there. And then it was like, you know, by about seven months, six, seven months, but prominently at seven months, I call it this, that he came out of a pandas coma and he really started to live again. And it, it just, it, honestly, it just gives me goosebumps just thinking about it right now. And just, you know, him going into the pantry and going, mom, where is this? And he's giggling because he never went into our pantry ever. And it was just so refreshing that I didn't have to hand over hand everything for him. Right. So their last IVIG, um, it was January 2019. And so both of the boys, we do everything in tandem. They made it through uh, this past winter without a relapse. And, uh, and then they spent most of their time at home due to COVID restrictions. And uh, so we decided to stop their prophylactic antibiotics in April of last year. So it's, it's, it's uh, been a marathon journey, but also I call it a miracle journey to see um, the transformation in our sons after what seemed like an impossible journey mm -hmm. to overcome. And um, 
Our older son experienced many social and academic challenges um, around school because of symptoms um, such as severe anxiety, mutism, and dysgraphia. Those are tough ones to just regain back. Um, but to see him come to life after years on and off of struggling, it, it's truly a miracle of, of his recovery, I do believe. And our younger son's onset also happened at age seven, as I referenced earlier. But his presenting symptoms were not as sudden at his onset. And maybe it's because I was so impacted by our older boy and, and just taking care of him. But um, his became more severe with actually with each um, relapse Um continued relapse. So, but his two IVIG treatments um, have also, you know, provided the greatest impact on his recovery. And um, for many years, I continued to doubt myself each time a doctor would close the door, right? Like, mm-hmm. but today, I know our story represents hope to others. Um, you know, we did mm-hmm. make it through the other side. I'm not saying everything is perfect, no. not at all, because our younger son, I'm noticing just a little bit of these, like, mom, my brain felt stuck today. I I had a hard time doing math, you know? So I'm just, you know, I'm making notes, but it's nothing like it was. Um, Mm. Yeah. And I don't want to sugarcoat it. (laughs) And we know, and we know uh, other families with pandas, many others whose symptoms are are really severe. And that's not to minimize our child's because it's very real, but the, the, the scope of, of how it can affect kids is, is, Mm. is pretty, uh, it's pretty devastating. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, that just reminds me of my son, like when he went through sort of a really tough period. And then after we had went through a round of antibiotics, I remember his teacher saying, wow, it's like a cloud just lifted from above mm-hmm. him. And all of a sudden he's bright again. And it was just, yeah, that mm-hmm. really stuck with me. It just reminds me very, very similar. Um, so that, I mean, that's great. That's great that they're, you know, doing well. I hear you that it, yeah, it doesn't really go away, but it's, yeah, <laughs> you can, it becomes better and yeah. more manageable and you have to absolutely um, kind of relish in the wins, those, those little things that you notice for sure. I appreciate you sharing with uh, about the teacher noticing because all of a sudden you, you, you get people that, they see the difference and, and they become believers in one way. It's like, what happened there? Like, I, I can see the difference. What, what, what happened? And there's, and when you, they see that direct correlation that, you know, we started giving antibiotics or whatever it is, it's like, wow. Mm-hmm. So, so it is something that can be addressed. And so all of a sudden these people that are doubters or, or just don't know all of a sudden start to believe a bit and, and, and how it changes uh, things for us. Absolutely. And yeah, she had no idea what was happening, but she just said something's different. And yeah, no, uh, you're right. And so you guys have kind of taken your story and moved beyond your own family and then got involved in the Inflamed Brain Alliance. So can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, yeah, during our time, actually, when we went to the U.S., um, for our older boy when he was diagnosed and treated. Richard and I also attended the Pandas Network conference. Um, it was great. Um, that was where we saw the rough cut of Tim Sorrell's My Kid Is Not Crazy. Um, yeah, And then, yeah. So it was during this time of accessing that medical help and experiencing community because uh, conferences back then we could go to <laughs> in larger sums. 
um, where I realized that I wanted others to also experience this, right? Mm -hmm. Like the treatment in the community. So upon returning from the U.S., I joined some PANDA's um, PANS parent support groups on Facebook and learned that there were so many desperate families like ours looking to find support and and to feel connected. So and yeah, yeah, totally feel connected, and that's that's a big thing. And you know, so for us, we we're in a better place. We're not out of the woods. Uh, as it were, but we are feeling like we can give back and we can help uh, some others and families and the kids avoid what we went through. I mean, we went through, um, you know, three and a half years kind of in the wilderness. And uh, we talked to a family just a while ago and, and they said, yeah, we've, we've been battling, you know, this for, for a month. And, and we, you know, look, we're, uh, we're, we're, we feel for them, but there's other families we know that went for like seven years or longer undiagnosed. So really our passion for the organization is to bring credible hope to the families with children struggling with this. Like it's unimaginable. The, the stories we hear of the mental and emotional and the physical suffering that they have. So we want other families to know really um, they're not alone. We want them to know there's uh light at, uh, at the entrance of the crevasse that the kids, uh, their child's fallen into and that really it's no fault of their own because a lot of parents at the beginning is like, did I cause this? Did I do something? Mm-hmm. So, um, but as many pandas, pans families, they painfully know it creates a pretty dark place uh, that they enter into and, and quite suddenly. Uh, and so there's so much um, questions and confusion. So, and it, What's difficult is that there's no timeline that matches any other families. Everybody goes through it uh, on their own. And so helping them just find a way forward. So um, we want uh, the pandas, pans families to know that um, eventually, and once this organization gets going, is that we can help them surround them with experts and other families who get it and uh, who can help them and be the light before them to help them really remove the the darkness that they find themselves again stuck in, in in a crevasse yeah yeah and that is so needed i mean until i joined some of the facebook groups yeah it i definitely felt like a lone lone soldier mm. i guess i would say um and yeah. then i sort of you know start, started seeing very similar stories and it was like oh my gosh wait no this is something and everyone else is feeling the same way so i think that's that community piece is definitely so important and and the experts piece as well i mean it's just uh, here in ontario for sure like it's very challenging to figure out where to go next and everybody's path is, is quite different. So I think that sounds like a great, great space to fill. So what stage is the organization at then at this point, you guys are kind of just beginning. Yeah, we're, we're still in a, in an early stage. Um, We're now incorporated as an organization. We're just in the process of uh, completing our charitable registration documents with the CRA. So Really, that we've got uh, three main purposes of the organization, and um, the first one is to advance education, and really we want to train physicians, caregivers, uh, school boards, uh, community organizations, teaching hospitals, universities, to recognize pandas and pans, and to respond and assist families affected by the issue. For example, e-learning courses accessible through the website is would be something that we could offer them. 
And then we, uh, the second one is to promote health. We really want to provide individuals uh, living with PANDAS PANS with access to related counseling to find somebody who understands what PANDAS is, uh, information and group supports. And so we're looking at uh, creating uh, st- something that we're calling storytelling portraits. It's basically a storytelling, storytelling a therapy program. And we just know how important it is for um, these families and these and these kids and the siblings of these kids to be able to tell their story uh, and how therapeutic that that can be. And so that's something we really want to facilitate. And so and then the last um, uh, focus area, the purpose is really to advance education uh, again by providing publicly uh, like scholarships, bursaries, research grants and other forms of financial assistance. So we're wanting the research to be a really big uh, part of this, and it's, it, it needs to be evidence-based. And so uh, knowledge is is huge, and and making sure that it's it, it has good research behind it. So we want to you know improve the the prevention, diagnosis, and treatment um, for the care of pandas, really, and other related related uh, encephalopathies. So uh, yeah, that's you know it's it's a it's a big task, but we believe mm-hmm. in people together and and the experts too so we're we're encouraged um but there's uh there's going to be uh, a lot of work uh, ahead of us but um there's never a perfect time to start something like this so we just we're just uh, leaning into this with other uh parents and uh professionals that are are wanting to go there with us that's great no absolutely i think it's totally needed and i think it's going to fill a very big void here and so we've touched on some of this already, but what do you see, like, why is it so challenging to raise awareness of pandas and get the medical community on side to, you know, wanting to understand the disorder? I mean, you gave the the story of the the researcher that, you know, people were kind of stepping away as soon as he mentioned it. What do you think the the big stumbling block is here? Yeah, that's that's the thing. There is that big chasm <laughs> between you know uh, understanding the brain and uh, that it's it's people think that it's still seen as disconnected from the body. So I think that we can improve this more if we create a, an actual seat at the table for everyone. So that includes the patients, the parents, and the caregivers teachers and a multidisciplinary team of doctors, et cetera, right? So if we, I think if we glean from one another in collaboration, um, that will be the key to rewrite the narrative surrounding um, the challenge. Yeah, Marnie mentioned the word multidisciplinary and that's really important for our organization is that we really are are hoping for an integrated approach and uh, to, to pull some of the uh, the disciplines out of their silos to, to integrate it. And we just know how important it is because we know that, you know, whether it's psychiatry, psychology, rheumatology, immunology, uh, they're all involved with this disease. And so I'm pulling them uh, out of, uh, you know, their the areas of specialization to, to collaborate. That's where we think the real momentum can happen. And, it, and it's very similar to COVID in, in many ways uh, with regards to the, the multidisciplinary approach. But, you know, the, the challenge back to your question is there's there's a lot of uh, reticence or reluctance from the medical community to recognize the disease. And it's uh, it's it, and that's troubling. I was just listening on NPR today to a podcast about the first 
uh, female doctors back in 1840 and how they were looked upon. And it was just such such a grievous thing in how, you know, and now we look back and go, how's that possible? That that, that, that would be something, you know, uh, forbidden and, and, and uh, you know, looked down upon. So really there's, there's a level of um, humility that's needed. And I think COVID has, has provided a big, a pretty big humbling experience for, uh, for us as humans and, and the medical community included. And um, there's also, we want the doctors to be hungry uh, to learn more, uh, to, to figure out not what they know, but what they don't know and how they can solve the problem. You know, my earlier quote is how they address those things they don't understand and, uh, and I think lastly, we, we want them to be smart. We want them to, to come together and, uh, and create um, an integrated pr- approach, which really is, is that next level of, of wisdom. It's not working in their own silos. It's that integrated approach. So, yeah, that's, that's challenging. Well, and I think um, to um, give an example of just where we saw an integrated um, coming to the table approach was at our 2017 declaration of the Pandas Pans Awareness Day here in Calgary with um, Minister, uh, Associate Minister of Health Brandy Payne and our local MLA. And then we had three doctors at the table as well. Plus we had three different families, you know, two others, in- including ourselves, three. And I, I took some pictures from that day and just to see everyone like smiling and, 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 you know, the one girl with pandas saying, you know, like, cause that was her first time ever interacting with other kids with pandas. And it was so, um, and, and wearing the awareness day shirt, uh, just how much that meant to her to feel like she had a seat at the table. So that image will be forever etched in my mind, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just seeing the doctors, the families, you know, um, parents with their kids and the politicians and working together. And yeah. Yeah, Yeah, no, that's, that's a great point. And you're right. There are, there are the awareness days and a lot of places Ontario does have one as well. And so, yeah, I think that's a a good kind of starting off point for sure. Um, And, and the point about COVID you're right. Once, um, once some of the physicians do start kind of breaking down those silos, working together mm-hmm. there, maybe it can just kind of continue and, and hopefully the, hopefully that could help the pandas pan yeah. situation. And so I guess before we kind of get to finishing up, what have you guys learned from this journey? I guess would be my question. I know from my own journey, there's been so many times that I've reflected and thought of things, you know, positive, negative um, from throughout, but um, wondering, wondering you guys what you've learned. Yeah, I would say um, because of um, repeated rejections from healthcare professionals, I am more in tune with our family's health needs and how I can now use my voice of experience to help other families. Um, so, you know, just cut to the quick, <laughs> you know, with families. And um, I would say that I've learned to lean into a tribe for support. And actually, that wasn't until more re- recently. Sarah, you might be surprised by that because I might just seem like, you know, I like to connect and stuff. I, I do like to connect one-on-one with, with parents. But in terms of leaning into a tribe, and I would say a tribe of pandas, parents and of non-pandas um so just because you kind of need to pull yourself out of it that space Mm -hmm. for 
you know, as well. Um, the other thing I've learned is simple living, um, especially when something unexpected such as pandas hits, you know, I, you have to really simplify um, practicing self-care. Uh, it's cliche, but it's true, right? I, I just, I'm still learning that, you know, time dedicated for me, right? Exercise. Now I'm coming up on two years of having, you know, using an app to exercise, um, you know, taking a bath, baking. I love baking, um, walking, especially with my daughter who kind of felt left out and reading. I took up reading. I am not a reader and I'm now reading. Mm-hmm. Um, so just taking care of my own health um, is, is just as important as my child's. Um, there was a time where I thought I had chronic fatigue syndrome, actually, um, because I was always tired and, and, and struggled to catch my breath. And so the fact of the matter is, is I started taking care of my own health. And as it turned out, I was diagnosed with anemia, which is so treatable. So, you know, after taking iron pills for a couple of days, I started to notice my strength coming back. So, yeah, just taking care of my own health, too. And, yeah, wow. And, and mothers um, uh, often pay more for pandas and uh, in, in, in trying to care for their kids. And that we saw, uh, you know, I saw Marnie um, really uh, be affected that way. And, and when, when the flare happens too, it, you, you're, it consumes, uh, it consumes the family. It mm-hmm. creates a vortex. And uh, so it, it's interesting because in that vortex, the other kids get pulled into it as well. So uh, what is referred to uh, as, uh, as a glass child, the, ch- the other children who, who the, the parents sometimes look right through or right past they get affected in significant ways and it's, and it's tough for them. So spending separate time with those, those kids as they feel that they're sidelined, you know, from much of our energy and and care uh, it's so important for, for those kids. And, you know, Marnie was really good at at making sure that um, she documented the symptoms along the way. And if there's a chance to videotape it, uh, she she would try to wasn't always successful. Our son would notice that, and he'd come grab the phone and things like that. But you know, making sure that she would uh, try to capture as much as possible because our brain turns into a real sieve during these crisis moments, and uh, so it's that's really important. And then the other thing I mentioned earlier is about parenting styles, and parents see things differently. And often, whether we realize it or not, Marnie and I ended up going to, to get uh, some, some uh, counseling uh, to ch- so that we could, well, manage and cope ourselves, but also see how we can best help uh, our, our, our kids. And um, the therapist gave us an analogy. She said that one parent would be seen uh, more as the disciplinarian and the other one would be seen as the angel of mercy and just by nature of who they are and their style. And so, well, as one parent would move to one end, let's just say that, you know, let's just say, I'm, ta- I'm just saying on like, I, I, <laughs> so, That's out of yeah, yeah, <laughs> that one parent is an angel of mercy and the other one's more of a disciplinarian. As one person moves to the other end of the, the, the seesaw or the teeter totter, the other parent moves the other way to try to create a balance and it creates that tension. And so what we uh, were uh, learned to do is actually switch roles, which was really interesting where uh, mm. I would become the angel of mercy and Marnie would be <laughs> the disciplinarian. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
And it's, it's a healthy exercise. It really is. And it really throws the kid off, by the way, <laughs> yeah. because they're not used to seeing that. But it helps uh, us get locked in, in the kid's eyes, to this one role. And it also is just healthy for us to realize that we, we have been going too far to our end of, uh, of the seesaw. So that's, uh, that's just a little something that we've noticed. And I think other pandas families might relate to that is that we go to extremes, uh, even as our styles are. Uh, that's what we resort to in, in times of stress. And I would just um, say that now, like that we're more in this um, state of recovery, um, that we're finding um, we're finding joy, like we're, we're, we're finding joy in, in the healing and we're celebrating it. And um, so we've learned to just keep our eyes wide open. And uh, so whenever we see either of our sons engage in something that, they would have struggled with during a flare. We give each, give each other one of those kind of looks, you know, like did that just happen? Did they just like do something normal, you know? And, um, and lastly, um, our kiddos, I'm going to say this, they are in there. They're really just trapped inside of themselves Mm -hmm. and they want to be free of their brain misfiring. And they see how much we as parents and caregivers Plus, they're amazing doctors when we find them. Pour energy and love into advocating for their health and wellness. So I just wanted to say to the parents that if you you are in this position, that you're, you have a child with pandas or pans, um, AE, basal ganglia encephalitis, whatever you want to call it, you will undoubtedly, you'll feel alone and disconnected at times, most times. <laughs> until you see them heal. But my encouragement to you is to reach out, reach out to someone you trust when you're feeling at your most vulnerable place. Yeah, those are really good tips. I mean, the documenting piece, absolutely. Um, the self-care for sure. And, you know, and and I totally agree with, you know, what you guys have done in terms of going to see a counselor and in terms of how to how to manage on both for yourself and then also parenting. That's really wise. Um, And yeah, I appreciate your words to other parents, Marnie. So thank you so much for your time today. I think um, this is really great context for anybody that's looking for more information on pandas and pans. I did have uh, Dr. Scott and Ellen Anton on as well to kind of talk about more the medical side. And I think this is a great conversation in terms of understanding the real life piece. And then some of um, the inspiration that you guys, I'm sure, create in others as well in terms of wanting to give back to the community and do a little more through um, the organization. So how can listeners find out more about you and the Inflamed Brain Alliance as well? Yeah, um, Richard's not much on social media except for, <laughs> what are you on, LinkedIn? <laughs> so you can. I think you have had some parents read you there. So, but you can find me on uh, my personal Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages um, under my name, Marnie DeShane. And as far as the organization goes, once charitable status is achieved, hopefully later this year, um, we'll have a website and a social media presence, of course. But for now, um, if you're wanting to connect on something related to the charity, please feel free to just send me a, a DM on any one of those um, social media accounts I have. And um, we also have an interim email address that we can be reached at, which is inflamedbrain at telus.net. So, um, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. That sounds perfect. So thank you so much again. And uh, I really appreciate this time and I hope you guys have a great week. You too. Thank, thank you, Sarah. You. We so much appreciate this opportunity. Thank you to Marnie and Richard for being part of the podcast this week. I definitely learned a lot and can identify with their journey with pandas. And I know other parents, even with health issues in their children beyond pandas and pans, I'm sure can identify with much of what they talked about. I look forward to learning more about the Inflamed Brain Alliance as the organization becomes established and look forward to supporting them in the future. Thanks for listening this week. I wrote a book and I am so excited to share it with all of you. The book is called Pendulum. And it's about a young boy that struggles with a little-known illness called pandas. He starts as a very energetic, fun-loving, charming young boy, but then begins to transition to someone that is feeling anxious, that has obsessive thoughts, that is emotional, angry, and depressed. As the young boy gets diagnosed with pandas, he then struggles with his treatment and then also regular middle grade issues like navigating his first crush and playing competitive sports. Throughout these experiences, Ben encounters challenges in a new school, coping with his own mental health and understanding and accepting himself. He shares in the book how he handles all these trials of being a middle grader with pandas and his unique outlook on the disorder and life. I look forward to you reading this novel. It will be available in the coming months through Friesen Press and Amazon. Thank you for listening to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. Please keep in mind this podcast is not intended to be medical or professional advice. If you are looking for that advice, please seek that out from a professional. If you'd like to hear more from me, you can visit my blog, www.theallergybeast.wordpress.com, or follow me online at Sarah Lady Gluten on Instagram, S A R A L A D Y G L U T E N, or the Facebook page, Sarah Lady Gluten. If you do like the podcast, please consider subscribing so that you will get the podcast update every week and or reviewing the podcast on whatever platform you listen to. Thanks again and have a great week.